Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast it is presented by league apps and it is jam-packed with superstars yet again Generation Adidas International and United Soccer Coaches are proud to offer a unique and exciting experience to the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. They've got a registration deadline of May 20th or the first 30 registrants. You can go right now to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash events to learn more. And you can listen to today's podcast as we are joined by two of the legends of the game that will be on the trip, Nancy Feldman and Hugh Menzies. Hugh Menzies was recognized on the Saturday night of the convention as part of the Black Soccer Coaches Legends. The rising star was Sammy Boding. Sammy Boding is also on the show by way of Ghana. He is now the assistant coach under Jen Klein, one of my favorites at the University of Michigan. He is up second. Up third, we meet the head of communications for U.S. Soccer, Neil Beathy, who sat down with me at the convention on Podcast Row. From there, we meet the leader, Jimmy Carson of Sogility. They got a lot of great things going on. We hit the training ground with Tree Beckman, who's got this great tool for team culture. And we end meeting another 30 under 30 member. Her name is Lauren Azero. That's our show, and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps, talking about another exciting trip geared around the upcoming Women's World Cup in New Zealand and Australia. Generation Adidas International and United Soccer Coaches are proud to offer a unique and exciting experience to the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. Your 12-night trip will depart from your international airport on July 19th arriving on July 21st in Auckland, New Zealand, and return on August 2nd. Your experience will include tickets to five matches, including all three USA first-round matches, cultural activities, pro club visits, coach education with United Soccer Coaches, and so much more. The 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup begins on July 20th, 2023, with the championship set for August 20th. 2023. You can go online to unitedsoccercoaches.org to stay up to date with the 2023 tournament, but more importantly, to sign up. I'll have more on that in a moment. 
The coach educators for the trip are the great and legendary Nancy Feldman and Hugh Menzies. We'll meet them in a moment. They'll be leading the education portion of the experience. And as I said, I will introduce them in just a moment, but you don't want to miss this opportunity to attend and learn from the biggest event in the women's game alongside some of the best educators in the world. The registration deadline, pay attention members, is May 20th or 30 registrants, whichever comes first, May 20 or the first 30. The experience includes, among other things, 12 nights, half board, team coordinator, and 24-7 round-the-clock support, private transportation for all activities, six times coaching education sessions, the Wellington Phoenix Pro Club visit, tours of the Auckland Museum, Auckland Sky Tower, tickets to five games, including all USA group stage games, 12 nights accommodation in Auckland at a three-star plus hotel, six training sessions at the Women's World Cup 2023, sightseeing and one cultural activity and so much more. Act now. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash events to sign up. Remember, it is capped at 30. With that, we'll meet the two great leaders of this trip with United Soccer Coaches. They are both beloved by the association. We'll start with Nancy Feldman, one of the winniest coaches in NCAA D1 women's soccer with more than 400 wins at Boston University. Nancy has earned multiple Coach of the Year and excellence in coaching awards while amassing 13 conference championships and 13 conference tournament championships. She's retired now from Boston University, but she will never retire from the association. And we're so glad she is here. Welcome, Nancy. Thanks so much. Yes, if I was still college coaching, I wouldn't be able to make this trip. Yeah, amen. And we're so glad that you're going to be part of it, along with Hugh Menzies, another legend of the game. He won the 2018 CONCACAF Women's Coach of the Year Award after leading the Jamaican Women's National Team qualification for the 2019 Women's World Cup in France, where he was the head coach, the country's first ever Women's World Cup appearance. Of course, Hugh Menzies also was the interim coach for Gotham last year in the NWSL breaking down barriers every day and doing it with class. Hugh Menzies, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Oh, thank you, Dean, for the introduction. It's just an honor to be with Nancy, too. So I'm really looking forward to this venture that we're going to take. Well, and hopefully 30 coaches will be joining you. We'll start with you, Nancy. I know that you've been a part of these World Cup trips before. They really are spectacular. The access that you have during the trip is just unparalleled, right? It's incredible. It is. Uh, fortunately, this is about my fourth or fifth experience, including the Algarve Cup. And you're right on the money. Um, access to special and unique guests. Uh, some of those things, I mean, Hugh has such amazing connections in the game internationally. I have a few. We work our contacts prior to the event. We have had in front of our groups previously, we've been invited to, well, Hugh and his Jamaican national team staff invited us to come and spend a couple hours with them uh, where he talked about qualification and what their challenges were and how they put together a winning side to be in the World Cup in France. That was amazing. We've had sports psych professors come and visit that were local, uh, that we made a contact with. We had team assistant coaches and scouts come. So these special and unique guests and the access to them, you won't be able to find that if you're just a regular fan going to New Zealand to watch games. 
So well said. And Hugh, as I mentioned, you were on the sidelines four years ago at the World Cup. Now you'll be representing the association at the World Cup. Why was it important for you to step up and join Nancy and the association on this trip? To be honest with you, um, you know, Nancy spoke about when their their group came and, you know, and I, I kind of told them the whole journey of our, our Jamaica team and um, and the impact it made in those um, those coaches there. And still to this day, I run into a couple of them and there's tears coming out their eyes and Nancy can attest to that. And I just felt like, you know, um, I just need to keep seeing those type of impacts and be part of it. That's such a great answer as we're here with Nancy Feldman and Hugh Menzies, who will be part of the Generation Adidas International and United Soccer Coaches 12-night trip to the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. And Nancy, one of the things that I've always liked about these trips, I actually did one back in 2014 where we took a bunch of coaches over to Europe while the World Cup was going on in Brazil, but we went to World Cup countries that were playing down in Brazil, and it was a unique perspective. But one of the things that I found just fascinating is the fact that after every game, they were breaking down what they just saw. And then at, before every game, they were kind of prepping before it as if they were actually coaching in the game. I mean, it's a unique way to experience a World Cup. Yeah, it's really rich in learning for a couple of weeks. Just what, as you mentioned, uh, we get together during the trip five or six times and we'll have different uh, topics and sessions uh, that you and I will lead. But it'll be a lot of group learning and dialogue between coaches that are on the trip scouting, game analysis, different systems of play, comparisons, styles of play. You really get to see, you know, different countries and how they organize their roles of players on the pitch. So this, you know, we think, oh, well, our, our we come into it and we have our own perspective of, well, my six plays this role. Well, when you go to a World Cup, you may see a six play a variety of different roles. And it just, it just expands your your knowledge and viewpoint and your own coaching development with some critical thinking opportunities that we in the past have facilitated. And I, uh, Hugh and I are excited about doing that again. Make no mistake, Hugh, as you know, the American fans will be looking forward to seeing if the USA can do something that's never been done. And that is win three straight World Cups. As I mentioned, you also have the tie to Lauren Donaldson and the Jamaican national team. He was your assistant coach on the last one. He'll be the coach on this one. Have you looked at the schedule to see how close you'll be able to be to Jamaica uh, or, or not? Have you looked that close? Yeah, I made it very clear to the United coaches that I have to get away to go at least see one or two games. Um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm still attached to them and, a lot of those players are still repeating to be on that roster. So so it's kind of neat to see the growth. And um, and the good thing about me coming on this trip, I was on the flip side of it. And so there's so many things that you don't think about as a coach outside of the just watching the, the game where there's so many different rules from FIFA that you have to deal with that impacts what you do going into games, um, you know, and, and um, there's so many things that lack of resources that we had, that we had to make adjustments. So you may see us playing one way and, and the, the, the vibes and the, and the attitudes is a certain way. And then the next game, something may have happened in the background, you know, that, that people don't know. And we, we have, we have a change in 
and posture, body posture players. And so, and it did happen to us in the World Cup. Um, so, so that's a good thing that I have on this trip. I can, I can come in and give a different perspective because I've been there and, um, and kind of lay out that because it's a whole different planet when you go deal with FIFA. That platform is, is not like a regular CONCACAF platform. It's not a regular college game. You know, there's so many rules. There's so many things that does impact the player mentally. You're hearing the wisdom of Hugh Menzies and Nancy Feldman. They'll be the coach educators for another special trip presented by Generation Adidas International in conjunction with United Soccer Coaches as they offer a unique and exciting experience to the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup, a 12-night trip that starts on July 19 and ends August 2nd and includes all three of the USA games. Nancy, I come back to you. I had the great honor of breaking into U.S. soccer in 89. My first assignment was to go to a camp in Santa Barbara with Anson Dorrance as he was putting together the first team getting ready two years later to participate in the World Cup in China that the USA won. Man, has the game come a long way since then where, yeah, the USA has won the last two, but there's hardly anybody picking them as the favorite. That's how far the game has grown in the women's stage. I mean, how proud are you of that? And talk about the amazing growth because you can't just say the USA is going to win this one this time around, Nancy. No, that's what makes it so exciting. Now we're on level pitch with, you know, eight to 10 teams, really, you could look at it. And, um, you know, I have to give a shout out to, to US, uh, the U.S. women's national team. Their ability, while everyone else is caught up, their ability to have sustained success. They're still ranked number one in the world, if I'm not mistaken. So, mm-hmm. you know, while everyone's nipping at our heels, we have an identity and we play to that identity while we've also had to evolve because we can't just run by people uh, anymore. Uh, so, but I love that we, you know, we just, uh, Hugh and I were just in Texas watching the final game of the She Believes Cup. Marvelous game against Brazil. And you know, we watched the Japan game. I watched it on TV. And um, Japan was incredible. Their technical ability, their ability to move the ball and ping it around and get into our box with final passes. But, you know, in the end, guess who won the tournament? Uh, because we have an identity and we find a way and we're resilient and we also continue to evolve sophistic- with our sophistication. We have a wonderful coach and we have wonderful players. And just to tack on one more thing, there is nothing like watching games at the highest level live. You cannot capture what you see live on TV. So come with us to New Zealand and, uh, and see what uh, the best in the world look like in 2023. Hugh, can you put an exclamation point on that? I know that uh, we've already talked about your heavy focus on Jamaica, but you have been a dear friend to the game in this country, and you have helped produce a lot of the players along with Lauren that wear the red, white, and blue. How proud are you of what the USA has done? And, you know, basically the way Nancy said it, that sustained excellence. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable because of the adjustments they have to make every world cup because another team catches up and another team's right on your heels. And now, like Nancy said, there's eight to 10 teams right on their heels and they're, and they're making those adjustments. Obviously, the good thing about the the USA, they have that 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 resiliency, and it's just a culture thing, and then the 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 bite to win, you know, and and that takes has taken them through this. But now they're at a point now that they have to play good football. They have to make the right adjustments, and you know, and um, 
and I and I, I my head my hat is off for Rocco because he's is there's so many adversities that are behind the scenes that he has to deal with. Is it pressure? Yeah, and I think he's he's in, he realizes that he wants that pressure, you know, because Jill you know Jill walked away with two World Cups, so you know. But but I tell you what, he's done an unbelievable job so far, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm telling people, you need to get on this flight right now because it's going up. <laughs> so get on, get in, get in now. All right, but it's going to be an unbelievable experience, and and I'm really looking forward to it. just hearing you talk about it, Dean about the amount of days we're there and what we're doing. I had no idea, to be honest, and I'm getting more excited <laughs> about what we're going to do um, because I just think this is this is a trip as a coach throughout your career. You'll never forget. It's just, it just stamps in it. And being on the sidelines um, in the World Cup, it's, 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 it becomes my identity, to be honest with you, because it made such a big impact, and I'm just looking forward to this trip. From your heart to our airwaves, that is said so well because the registration deadline, as you mentioned, Hughes, coming up, it's May 20th or the first 30 as Generation Adidas International and United Soccer Coaches linking up again for this special, unique, and exciting experience to the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup going from July 19th to August 2nd. Again, only 30 can go and be a part of this and have access to the incredible wisdom of two of the legends of the game, Nancy Feldman and Hugh Menzies. Last word time, Nancy, if members heard nothing else until they hear what you have to say now about signing up for this amazing experience, can you put it into words for us, please? Sure. Along with the professional development opportunity that this presents, the personal development, the relationships, the intimate relationships you really get to experience on trips like these, that is spiritual. I just don't have any other way to say it. That's why I keep coming. They'll ask me and I say, don't you want to let someone else have a shot at this? This is an amazing opportunity. And they're like, no, you, we, you have some experience. We'd like you to be there. And it doesn't take me but one second to say, I can't say no. The connections, you know, Mary and Donnie in the Bahamas on the last trip. A gentleman by the name of Rudy, who was a state policeman and then became a college coach on the Canada trip. I call them the Rat Pack, my 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 three Rat Pack gals in Germany. Uh, on the bus, you know, in, in in during meals at the games, you are sitting with other great people that are passionate about soccer, women's soccer, that want to learn, that want to grow. You get into conversations about soccer. You also get into conversations about lots of other things, and it is a super special relationship, spiritual opportunity um, that has changed my life and I know has changed the life of anyone that has come on these trips prior. Wow, that is strong. Boom goes the dynamite. Well done, Nancy. Hugh, your last word, kind of echoing what you just said a moment ago. Well, you know, when they asked me to go on this trip, and as you know, Dean, I had other options to do other things on the, the World Cup. And I sat down and trying to decide what, I, you know, what do I do? Do I go with this group or do I go with that group? And and the impact that I saw at the convention when those two coaches from Bahamas came up to me, it just it just made my decision a lot quicker, to be honest with you. I went right back in the, the hotel room that night and said, I, I called Jeff and I said, I'm, I'm going on this trip because I, I do know that this is just, I've never been to Australia. When I mean, I probably, you know, the only time that you're in your lifetime is going to get an opportunity to go to that side of the world. I'm looking for it. It's going to be an unbelievable environment. And I understand the platform. 
and it's and just looking at it on the flip side of it and and hanging out with Nancy who has been on these things where remember this is going to be her 12th year going on all these trips because this, this is her third World Cup so you know I'm just looking forward to it and I think anybody on this trip is gonna is gonna just feed off her experience and and obviously my input on things coming on the on the backside of it but uh, I'm just looking forward to this thing, and I think um, it's going to be an unbelievable World Cup. And as we just spoke about, the world's the world's right on our heels of the U.S. You know, and and it's going to be it's going to be nitpick. And I think that it's going to be uh, a, a pleasant surprise because every year we oh Italy and we see another country and another country pop up. And I think um, a lot of um, tribute is going to go out to FIFA because they really do a first-class job. I want to thank Jeff Van Dusen and especially Erica Dyer for making sure that we got Nancy and Hugh on right away to give coaches time enough to get signed up, get their passport situation sorted out, and then go right away to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash events to be a part of this generation Adidas International and United Soccer Coaches collaboration at the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. 12 nights, five games, access that is off the charts, July 19th through August 2nd. Always a pleasure, no matter the topic, but certainly thrilled that Nancy Feldman and Hugh Menzies will be the coaching educators on this trip. And so pleased that they kicked off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Nancy Feldman, I bid you adieu and say thank you. Thank you. And Hugh Menzies, thank you so much as well for kicking off this week's show. Thank you. What an exciting opportunity, folks. You need to sign up right away. And what a great visit with Nancy Feldman and Hugh Menzies. Both of them, by the way, were in attendance at that Saturday night at the convention for the Black Soccer Coaches legend. Hugh Menzies won a special award. So did Sammy Bolding, who's in Ghana right now. He is the assistant coach for the University of Michigan women's soccer team under Jen Klein. He was named the Rising Black Star at that Legends event, and he's now part of the governance for the Black Soccer Coaches community. Sammy Bolding joins me when we return. One little special reminder on the interview with Hugh and Nancy. All of the games will be in New Zealand. Hugh is going to pop over to Australia to see Jamaica, but he's going to do that on his own. So I want to make sure there's no confusion there. But what a great trip it's going to be. And we meet Sammy Bolding when we return. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. Introducing the first ever CoachCon, presented by Soccer.com in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, August 11th through the 13th. Register now to experience distinct coaching education from top-level professionals and earn a special topics diploma in game analysis or organizational leadership. Spots are extremely limited. Register today at unitedsoccercoaches.org slash CoachCon. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. I'm so pleased to be joined by Sammy Bodine. That is the American version, which very few people get right. And Sammy is in Ghana right now where it's Sammy Boating. And nonetheless, Sammy is the man. He was named the Rising Black Star at that Legends event on that Saturday at the convention which I have talked about each and every show since that event, and I am still flying high because of it. And he also 
as you heard from Andrew Richardson last week, is one of the four national vice chairs. And Sammy was a key part for Andrew stepping up because he knew he needed him. And just like that, we have Sammy on this week's show by way of Ghana, by the way, which is where he is right now. Sammy, great to have you on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you so, so much, Dean. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, you know, chit chat with me and um, get to know each other a little bit more. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so many ties that I love about you. Obviously, the fact that you were there on that Saturday night, love that. The fact that now you stepped up as the national vice chair to help Andrew and incredible four vice chairs. We'll have all of them on in the upcoming week, starting with you. The fact that you were named the rising black star where there were so many legends in that room that had to move you because I was moved and I was just there because I was drawn to it. And we'll get into that in a moment. But then also the fact that you work for one of my favorite universities and one of my favorite people in Jen Klein. All of those reasons are pretty cool, Sammy. I got to believe you're proud of all of that that I just listed. No, I, I just for me, I feel very, very blessed to be able to have these opportunities, whether it's, you know, working with Jen or being involved with the black soccer coaches. I just for me, I always count my blessings and um, I just feel like blessings keep coming my way. So biggest thing for me is to continue to do good for others and then hopefully it comes around to me. Well, let's dive into being named the rising black star when I look around and I see all kinds of rising black stars. That had to be a special moment for you on that special night. It really was. Um, th that whole night was was incredible. Um, just from not just the awards, but the fellowship within us as a coaching group to be able to celebrate everyone was incredible. And it's it, it felt great just to be there. And then to be honored, I, I just don't even know how to what to describe it as because, you know, you have Kadani who just received an award and, and I'm, I'm behind him and I'm like, oh, geez, this is something different. This is this is something big. And for me, I think being able to get to where I've been at, I've had a lot of great mentors. I've had a lot of great people be to be able to have conversations with and give me great advice. And, you know, I've had to go through some um, trials and tribulations myself, but at the end of the day, being able to be recognized by such a phenomenal group, there's no words to describe it. I just, for me, I just hope I'm able to continue to help us as a community and to be able to fulfill the goals and dreams that we have um, to be able to get moving forward. Obviously, mad props to the people before her, but especially mad props for what Nicole Hercules has accomplished. I'd like you to talk about that now that Andrew Richardson has taken over that role. Talk about him and then the other three members that will be part of the governance for the Black Soccer Coaches community, Sammy. Yeah. No, I mean, Nicole, um, <laughs> wow. Like, that's that's the words that describes her. Wow. The amount of work that she put into our community and we used to tell her all the time, like, hey, like, you're doing a lot. Like, what do you need? And she would just be like, hey, I just need some support for her being a strong Black woman and being able to amplify our voices consistently. There's no way, and we talked about it, there was no way any of us could have done it. And that's why we have four chairs. She did the job of five people. And she... <laughs> tremendously she uh, unbelievable it's just 
to be able to be in the same room as her, have conversations with her, listen to her goals, her vision. That's why we're here as a black soccer coaches community. Like that Saturday, what we saw and what we were involved in, it was all Nicole. And it took years of years of years of pushing. And, you know, for her, she has, she has no fear of being able to ask more of people um, to be able to ask more for the, for our community and for her to do everything that she did. Um, we said, you know, she, she deserves so many flowers to be able to now take a little bit of a break, take a breather, um, to be able to, you know, take care of herself and then now pass the torch to Andrew. And for me, I'm excited about Andrew um, taking over. I got to meet Andrew. We we're in the same 30 under 30 um, class. And I was like, hey, we got to go to the Black Soccer Coaches meeting. And we walked in the room and that was the first time that we saw people like us in one place that worked within the soccer community. And from there, being able to be involved in a lot of different meetings and being able to um, help within our community, whether it's uh, planning um, clinics or being able to just go and have conversations with people. I think for us as a community, the best thing we do is communicate, whether we're at the convention center or we're on the road recruiting. You see a lot of us just you know, communicating and enjoying conversations with each other and fellowshipping. So for me, Andrew um, has a great setup already because of everything that Nicole did. And so I'm excited to see how we can help him to be able to continue the rise of what Nicole did. And remind us who the we is. Remind us who those four vice chairs are. I mean, the three other ones joining you, Sammy. The three others, I'm, I'm, I'm the small step. Um, you got, you got Marsha Harper, who is at American University as the head coach. And again, when she speaks, the whole room goes silent because when she talks, it is so powerful, extremely powerful that you have to listen. Then you have Maya Hayes, who's at um, University of Minnesota. Not just her playing career, but so far within her coaching career, she's going to be the next rising star. And then you have Margo Felix, who um, was at University of um, Missouri. Again, he also, when he talks, people listen. And it's because of his patience. It's because of his knowledge. And it's because of his know-how of how to really get things done. So for me, being in their company, I feel very blessed. And I know that we're going to do a lot of great things. I can tell you that each and every one of them honestly feel blessed to be working with you. I'll use the American version, Sammy Boating, who was named the Rising Black Star and is one of those national vice chairs working under Andrew Richardson. And as Sammy so eloquently said, Nicole doing a job of five people. That's part of the reason why you have five on there. That was a great line, Sammy. You're in Ghana right now. So I want to know who Sammy Boating is. Tell us your story. Did you grow up in Ghana? When did you come I, to the U.S.? Where did you go to college? And then, you know, walk us through all the way up to, you know, Western Michigan and making the decision to leave to go to Michigan. Give us all to us, Sammy, okay? <laughs> yeah, so I was uh, born and raised in Ghana. I'm much here now because my sister just got married um, two days ago. So it was a, a three-day excursion of a lot of different African traditions. So born and raised here, moved to Columbus, Ohio when I was nine years old. From there, 
played club all throughout, uh, played for one club, Blast FC in Columbus. It doesn't, it's not a, as big of a name now just because they develop a lot of talent in the youth. And then some of the bigger clubs are able to come in and do what they do and was blessed to um, be able to go down to Marshall University to play all four years and Shout out to the men's team winning the national championship and Chris Grassi uh, doing a phenomenal job. As I finished college, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, whether it's the medical school route, PA school or PT school or coaching. And I was fortunate enough to be coached by Bob Gray. And Bob is, <laughs> he's a legend. Uh, Bob is a legend and was fortunately able to get on staff as a volunteer assistant. Um, on the men's side. And as I was coaching, the women's coach there at the time was Kevin Long. Kevin was like, hey, I have a, um, a club team and I need a little bit of help with them. Would you want to be, would you be able to help? And I was like, absolutely. So that was the first women's team I had and coached them for about a year and a half. And from there, I just realized I loved working with the girls club team a lot more than the men's side. Um, and from there, was fortunate enough to um, end up at the University of New Hampshire under Steve Wellham and um, spent three awesome years there and learned so much um, about the game, but about doing things the right way. Steve is a very honest, upfront person that taught me a lot about doing things the right way in the game um, as a person and as a coach. And um, from there, went on to Boston College for a year and then was fortunate enough to get to Western Michigan um, as an assistant and then was named interim head coach, um, was there for three years. And last June, um, I was able to get the opportunity to work with Jen. I was the head coach at Western Michigan and um, the opportunity popped up and I already knew who Jen was just from under, being on the road recruiting, but having a person like that value you enough to be able to be like, hey, I would like you to be on our, on our staff. Man, it's a pretty cool feeling. And for her to be able to let me do the things that I feel that I'm good at, she is a very hands-off person. She is an awesome person and just lets me go. Um, whether it's the soccer pieces or administrative pieces, she's there and it's usually like, hey, Jen, I have a question there. She's like, cool, great, awesome. Like, here you go. Or what are your thoughts? What would you do differently? What would you um, do here? Or it's your session. Hey, do you have a specific thing? Nope, that's all on you. Um, and so for me to work with a person like that and to be able to learn from a person like that is huge. Um, one of the biggest things that as a head coach that I felt I needed to do better at was the culture piece. And Jen is at the tippy top when it comes to culture of really building a program, building great people, being around great people. And for me, I, I feel like I'm in heaven every single day I go to work, not just because of the facilities at Michigan, um, but being able to walk in the office and, you know, hear Jen, like, good morning, Sammy. Like that just sets you off into the right direction every day. I can totally relate. You are hearing the great passion, and I mean, you're just feeling the love from Sammy Bolding, who is now a national vice chair with the Black Soccer Coaches Community under United Soccer Coaches, where he was just named the Rising Black Star and now is continuing to work with Jen Klein. You know what's fascinating about 
the ending of your story is, I don't know if you know this, but Jen Klein was a head coach who decided that she also wasn't quite there yet, joined the aforementioned Kadani McAlpine at Southern Cal, won a national championship, and then decided, yes, she was ready to do it again. So in many ways, your story is really similar to Jen. Did you know that? I, I did a little bit, um, and it's something we actually talked about. And as we were talking about it, and I, I did my research on her, and it made it an easier decision because I knew she knew what I was going to go through, and I knew that she would set me up to be the best coach and the best person I can be because she obviously has done it and been extremely successful and so for me, a lot of people are like, oh, how long do you think you'll be on Michigan? I'll be there as long as she wants me there. Um, as long as she wants me there, I'm going to be there. Because wow. being able to work with a person like her, being able to work with Tori, who's our other assistant, from day one, it felt like we had been working together for years. We all know each other's little quirks or even little treats each other um, like. And I know, like, you know, for Jen, you know, she has a little mini stash of, um, you know, gummy bears or uh, you know, Sour Patch Kids. It's actually Sour Patch Kids at the top of her office that if she needs a little a little energy boost, we're able to get that. Or, you know, mm -hmm. for us, being able to go to Subway for a little lunch or even produce and or our favorite um, rice wood. You know, for us, it's felt like a family from day one. And it's because of the atmosphere that Jen has created for all of us. Great answers here with Sammy Boating on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. So glad that Sammy could make time in Ghana to actually make this happen. One fun question before we end with two serious questions, and that is, I know that you moved to Columbus from Ghana, but it's not always easy for somebody that spent some of their adult life in Columbus, Ohio, around all of that scarlet and gray to find their way to Michigan. I'm going to assume that the Buckeyes never grabbed your heart or do you have a little Buckeye in you there, Sammy, that uh, maybe people don't know about? I mean, I, I grew up in Columbus and <laughs> Columbus is, is it's Buckeye city. It's Buckeye town. You grow up loving Ohio State. And for me, obviously, I'm still a Ohio State fan. But when we do play them, we're all the big M. It's all the big <laughs> M. Um, even my girlfriend, um, her family, her whole family are Michigan State fans. And now <laughs> she has a ton, she has a ton of Michigan gear. So for us, we're uh, Wolverines through and through now. Wow, that's both sides of uh, Michigan's rivalry race there, Ohio State and Michigan State. That's a great little nugget there. All right. So I want to get serious on these last two questions. The first one is, and you were a 30 under 30 member, just United Soccer Coaches. When you think about that organization, what has it meant to you, Sammy Bowden? It has meant a lot to me where it's made me who I am. It's made my career what it is by connecting me with other coaches, connecting me with the ability to be able to learn, to be able to network, to be able to come together as one, as a soccer community. So for me, without the United Soccer Coaches, I wouldn't be where I am today, whether it's the coaching piece or even just as a person piece. And specifically, we'll end with this. You were just named the Rising Black Chair at one of the most amazing events I've ever been at the convention that final Saturday in Philadelphia. You are now a national vice chair in a role that you take seriously. You admitted that Nicole Hercules was doing the job of five people. What is your goal, your mindset, your mission to keep 
this momentum going that we all witnessed on that Saturday night? Um, I think for us, you know, Andrew has done a phenomenal job of outlining some goals, but then being able to be specific in the things that we want to target, whether it's education, um, whether it's, you know, for us, black women, being able to empower them because there's not a lot of support or there's not a lot of them being supported or pushed forward, whether it is the convention prep, getting as many sessions as possible at different times so that we can all go support each other. Being able to have a plan like that put together by Andrew and us being able to have subcommittees in which he, it's already in his plans of these are things that we want to be able to do and how we're going to be able to accomplish it. So for us right now, for me, having these conversations with Andrew, having these conversations with our community of how we can continue to push, whether it's education, Black women, convention prep, awards, rankings, all those pieces, and have that at the forefront of the Black soccer coaches, but also at the forefront of the United soccer coaches. Everything about your story, including the fact that we're doing this from Ghana, where you just celebrated the wedding of your sister, is incredible. What happened to you on that Saturday night, your leadership role, the fact that now you work with two of my favorite people in Jen and Tori, all of it. I give straight A's, five stars, you name it, Sammy. You are the man. Thanks for sharing your story on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. And I will make a point to come see you when I call a Michigan game this fall, Sammy. Thank you so much. Congratulations on all your success. And let's keep that train moving, okay, my man? Thank you very much, Dean. I really appreciate it. Trust me, Sammy, I appreciate it even more. When we return, I sat down with Neil Beathy, who heads up communications for U.S. Soccer. He's been doing it for a long time. Some of you know I had a similar role at one point, but he is the man. He does some great impressions of Jason Sudeikis and Aaron Rodgers along the way. Neil Beathy, the top communications man at U.S. Soccer, after these messages. As a soccer coach, you're no stranger to developing your players. But how are you developing your own expertise? As a United Soccer Coaches member, you receive access to a range of resources, like our online learning platform, The Training Ground, to aid in the growth and enhancement of your coaching skills and career. From coaching education courses to lifestyle services, take advantage of new opportunities and member benefits with an annual United Soccer Coaches membership for just $125. Join the home of all coaches today at unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. We're on podcast row at the convention in Philadelphia, United Soccer Coaches style. And I've got a big day today talking to the president of U.S. Soccer, Cindy Parlo Cohn, as well as the new CEO, J.T. Batson. And helping set that up is a man who I've got great respect for. He's the chief communications officer for U.S. Soccer, a job he took over in 2003. Some of you might know that I used to have a similar job and always great to see my main man. I call him Dr. Beathy, Neil Beathy. Good to see you, Neil. I appreciate having the opportunity to see you, talk to you. You are a legend at U.S. Soccer. I know some stories. We can talk about those if you want. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. We might skip some of those. <laughs> but I appreciate you saying that, and I'm sure it's legendary in an infamous way. Yeah, I had some good times. I was one of the first people to walk through the U.S. Soccer House, which I understand you're not there anymore. That's, yeah, it's, it's actually um, it's time that we left U.S. Soccer and Soccer House. 
down in the South Loop, but I also miss it. As you know, I mean, these like amazing homes from the late 1800s that we figured out how to run a business in them, but it was time. We are now more mature office space. We have a lot more opportunity to grow in that space. Better views. You still miss Soccer House because it, it there truly was two houses that we had been in for I don't know how long was it? it was since since 1990 around there. 91. 91. Yeah. Actually, almost cosmically or coincidentally, whatever word you want to use, fill in the blank. Hank Steinbresser, I just saw this morning, we're inducting him into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame today, and he was the reason we moved to U.S. Right. Soccer House. He landed that deal. So isn't that crazy? Uh, it's crazy, and I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Hank. I didn't know he was here. I want to go see him, but like. I've sat down with him and asked him many questions about Soccer House and how we got there and the 94 World Cup was tied in, right? And there's some other interesting <laughs> stories of that place over the years. It's a lot of history there, there's no doubt. Yeah, I did wonder if my kids were going to have three arms with the asbestos down in the <laughs> U.S. soccer. <laughs> but it turned out okay. Heard so, about yeah. that, heard about that. <laughs> yeah, here with Neil Beathy, the Chief Communications Officer for U.S. Soccer. Let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, remind us where you're from, where you went to college, and how you found your way to U.S. Soccer. Yeah, from uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin originally, born and raised there, uh, obviously a big Packer fan, met Aaron Rodgers this year through the job. He was actually in London for our women's game. I got to U.S. soccer, I interned there when I was in college, so I went to the um, University of Wisconsin-Madison, interned there for a summer. Jim Morehouse, who is a name many people know and you know well, was my boss at the time, interned there for a summer and didn't have any opportunity to kind of get a job right after. But a year later, I was working up in Baraboo, Wisconsin. I was a reporter for the Baraboo News Republic, which I still think is the smallest daily in America. (laughs) That's awesome. And I used to write two stories a day and whatever. And then he called me, you know, 10, 11 months later and was like, hey, we want you back. And came back and was doing youth national teams and like trying to like actually put content up on our website which was barely even a thing back then in 2003. <laughs> First thing I actually did was dealing with Freddie Adu at our residency in Bradenton, Florida, dealing with his media interests. So I kind of got thrown into that like right away and then just kind of went from there and I had some luck and, and opportunity along the way and, and those were good times back in the day of like just getting into the job and figuring it out and trying to understand how to do it. So be honest because a lot of people are blown away that I never played soccer, you know, now calling college soccer for 30 years were you a soccer guy or? i was okay. so I, I played up i played soccer played basketball soccer you know other sports uh, but soccer was the sport for me okay what uh, position i played midfield center mid okay i'm tall now i'm six yeah. four yeah i i was the smallest kid in my class till okay. like senior year of high school no way so i grew i grew real late in like college i still go back to green bay and people are like neil <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it, so I grew really late, but loved the sport. It's funny, I say this all the time, use this as an example of the growth of the sport. When I grew up in Green Bay and I was a 15-year-old, I had no path with the sport other than, yeah, maybe I could go to college and play it in college. Okay, great. But, like, there was no league, right? There's no MLS yet. And then there was, like, nothing on TV, right? There was no internet. We're getting real old now, Dean. There's no you know, internet. I was the press officer of that 94 team. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Just house me oh, right I there. Know. I know. I know. We should talk about the president call. <laughs> the call the... <laughs> yeah, I know. Alexi lit me up on that one on Fox. Can you believe that? That's hilarious. Yeah. But, like, um, I think about that as a 15-year-old living in Green Bay, Wisconsin, right? The fact that I would ever think I would work in the sport, right, uh, for as long as I have, there was no real 
concept of like playing in it or anything and now a 15 year old kid who is living in green bay wisconsin can watch more soccer than any place in the world can understand how to make a pathway to play it professionally can go and find it on the internet and learn about a full home and all these like it's just a different world so every time i go back to a packer game which i try to do you know mm-hmm. uh, throughout the year because i have season tickets awesome someone some old guy always goes what do you do i'm like oh, i work for soccer soccer that'll never make it <laughs> and i'm like you're a dinosaur yeah because it already has made it and your 15 year old grandson or whatever is like engaged in the sport i guarantee it he probably yeah. has a you know, a Leeds jersey. And and it's just such, it blows my mind. Like, that's really 20 years. I mean, yeah. Well, no, sorry, 30 years, 30 years. The sport has grown so quickly, so fast, and it has such an opportunity to continue to grow like that. Well, it's interesting along those lines. Of course, when I was the press officer, I had three pagers and cell phones were like, you know, 10 pounds and it was hard to even get an assistant but now i mean u.s soccer is big business and you're right it has not only arrived it is beyond all expectations and the future is even brighter with the world cup coming talk about how big your staff is because uh it is big it's business. probably the same size as yours oh really okay okay so that yeah, part's still the that's same part's still the same all right I, you know i have a press officer aaron heifetz on the women's side press officer michael cameron on the men's side two guys that have been there longer than me. Right. And so like collectively we joke we have 60 years in the sport, which is crazy. I wouldn't be able to do my job without those guys. Their, their knowledge and understanding and abilities is amazing to me every day. And then I have two other staff. One is focused on our youth national teams and extended national teams. And then another that's doing more on the commercial side. I am adding and hiring for uh, three more positions. So we are growing. All right. Uh, We haven't grown yet. And I think we'll continue to grow. I mean, that's something that, you know, as you know, like uh, when you when you're growing kind of your your overall business and you're looking at where to start, you're not going to start in communications. So we always got to catch up a little bit. But we are growing very quickly due to bringing our house our uh, rights in house and that just started in 23 and so we have hired massive amount of people on the commercial side and that's great because more people means we can do more have more control uh, with it we we really have a, a big vision of what we want to do and how we want to grow this, the sport and especially the federation neil i feel like your job based on everything that you said even that guy that didn't understand how big u.s soccer is and you're, you're totally right because it is you know behemoth i think about for me now remember i left in 94 so i didn't have to deal with any of the stuff that went down in 98 but the biggest issue i had to deal with was steve snow not playing in the first game (laughs) of the 92 olympics yeah Yeah, Yeah. that was a big deal we were the first game lothar benched him because he didn't like him that much we lost to italy (laughs) i was the only guy over there i was really really young and it was like crazy you on the other hand have seen a lot of big moments sometimes you know, semi-controversial, however you want to say it, thinking about the, the presidential run, yeah, of course, right. now recently with the Yates release and, of course, the current situation with the U.S. national team. How do you go about dealing? I mean, these are big, big issues. Yeah, well, I think the first thing I do is I take a step back and go, these things are happening because we are matured. We're a real sport. We're a real organization. The NFL deals with this every day. Yeah, amen. The NFL deals with this all the time and someone said that to me many years ago when we were dealing with something and it was, I was kind of probably new to kind of a big situation and then I go like, you just got to like grow into it in a sense 
And Dan Flynn used to say this to me, our former CEO. He's like, this means we're, you know, legit. This means like, so, so you kind of go, okay, you don't want to handle like any situations that are challenging necessarily, but also it says something about where we are and where we're going. So for us, when things arise, we have outside counsel, right? That from a PR side that can help us and guide us. For us, it's also just not overreacting to things and trying to stay calm and, and understand there's always going to be a path forward and, and just figure it out. U.S. soccer has been through quite a bit in the past five years, I would say, with especially with the women's national team lawsuit, which I think was probably easily the worst thing I've ever had to deal with because you had people you respected, people you cared about on kind of the other side, and that was really, really challenging. But we got there in the end and we got to a good place and now it's about kind of figuring out how to repair that relationship in some aspect and Cindy has done a fantastic job of doing that and and again it's just like that's part of it we're growing we're getting bigger we're a real sport that is you know our our goal is to be the preeminent sport in the in, in the country so if you're going to be the number one sport in the country at some point down the road yeah you're going to deal with big issues and that's okay all right, well, and you've got one real big right now, so let's go ahead and get that elephant out of the room. The Burhalter Reina situation is one that is a little uncomfortable, I think. Is that fair to say? How sure. are you embracing that? Sure, and, and this one, this one's unique, <laughs> I think, compared to many of the other issues we've had to deal with. And, and right. when it came up, it was, I think, the first thing that everyone feels is that it's just, it's disappointing, right? Because you care about everyone that's part of it, right? You're connected to everyone that's part of it and their families, you know, and, and so the hope is that we can finish the investigation, finish our overall review, figure out where we're going with the head coach situation. But you hope that in a sense, everyone can kind of get this resolved behind closed doors and, and patch up the relationships that have been strained here in the moment. But that's nothing that U.S. soccer can necessarily do. That's up to individuals, but it's too bad. But it's something that we're just, you know, we're dealing with in the moment. I like that answer, and I think it reflects what I know about you. It's not like we spent a ton of time together, but you're always poised. And at the end of the day, I think you got to remember time heals everything, right? Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I, hope, I really do because I have a ton of respect for, for Greg, and I think whether he stays on as our coach or not, what he did in the past four years and the way he brought this team together and the way that he brought his staff together. I saw it firsthand. I think he's done a, a, a fantastic job. And it's unfortunate that this is like the drama around now where he should be concentrating on, hey, am I going to stay in this position? Do I want to stay in this position? Does U.S. soccer want me to stay in this position? He's dealing with it with, with everything else going on. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. Good answers here with Neil Beathy, the Chief Communications Officer for U.S. Soccer, coming up on 20 years, which is just fantastic. It says a lot about the quality of the man we're talking to, Neil Beathy. Let's have some fun. Neil, I'll put you on the spot. Your greatest moment, greatest memory in your near 20 years as the, the man running the communications shop for U.S. Soccer. Oh, greatest moment. I mean, I just mentioned I met Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. And I joke about this. That day was this was the game that the the day that the women were playing England in London. Okay. We have made connections with the Ted Lasso crew. Okay. So Coach Beard cool. and those guys. So we had invited them to come to the game. I had gotten a suite for them, and I knew the Packers were there. So I said I have connections at the Green Bay, and I was like, hey, if any of the players or executives want to come, whatever. So. 
Cindy and I were doing an interview at CNN in their studio. I get a text that says, hey, Neil, this is uh, Jason Sudeikis. Can I call you? <laughs> and I was oh like, my goodness. it's a 773 number, which is a Chicago number. And I'm like, what, is someone pranking me? Someone, <laughs> what is this? What's going on here? And so I step outside and I text him. Like, yeah. He calls me and he's like, hey, hey, Neil. He's like, is, is it beefy? <laughs> or he's like, boothy? Bothy? And he's like, I'm like, beefy. He's like, boofy? Boofy? I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> what is this guy doing? To me? Like, it's it was, awesome. It was hilarious. You like, nailed that, by oh the way. God, it was so funny. And he's like, he's like, can uh, I get a couple more tickets? But I worked it out. And so I'm like, okay, saving that number. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then like later, like I get a call from the Packers. Like guys, like, hey man, uh, Aaron's like gonna get your number because you know he's a little bit nervous about. That's know, what I'm talking up, about. You know? And so then I'm, I'm I get to the game and. I'm uh, going down to meet where, where the Packer players would be coming in, and my phone rings. It's a 310 number or whatever, whatever, some L.A. number, and I'm like, nah, this isn't Aaron. The answer is like, hey, man, Aaron. Like, I'm like, what a day. What a day. So I go down, and I grab, uh, meet him, and he's super nice. And yeah. I'm like, hey, I just want you to know I'm from Green Bay originally. I thought he'd be like, oh, geez. You know, and he was like, really? He's like, oh, that's amazing. He's like, where did you go to school? And I tell him high school, and he's at college, and he's talking about his trips to Madison. Great guy. I talked to him. Like, he sat, came and sat next into the first half and just talked to him. He had so many questions about the women's game. So I saved that number. Of yeah. <laughs> I was, that, like, that was a funny day, and it's, yeah. it's just in my mind because it's so recent. Probably not the best day I've had. I mean, the truth, the, the, the best That's day. That's an awesome day, though. Uh, yeah, amazing day. And it's due to the sport. I, the one thing that I, I appreciate about this job is I've gotten the opportunity to do so many things and meet so many people. And I'm not a big like, oh, I want to meet, you know, celebrities and stuff. That was an interesting day that I'll remember. But like the travel internationally, I always say this, the one thing that I, I think I appreciate the most is the relationships you make. And I used to be the youth press officer for a long time, right? So I have these relationships with all these former guys that didn't make it like to the big leagues or didn't become big time players that I'm still connected with. And like at this convention, I'll see these guys and I love it. Like I, it's been 15 years or something. You're like, hey, you yeah. like, get to see them and they're now working in the sport in some way or whatever. I love that stuff. So that's probably my favorite thing overall. And then there's huge moments like the women winning the World Cups, like being to be behind the scenes on that and see that, uh, sure. see that firsthand. Landon's goal against Algeria and being down in the in the locker room after I walk in there and I'm like, why is Reggie Bush in here? What is happening? And then you know, like Clinton comes in with his crew and it's like those kind of moments. You're like, my buddies in Green Bay are always like, they tell them this stuff and they're like, who are you? Like they're like, well, you you're Neil Beathy from Green Bay. I grew up with you and you're doing this. And so like, there's no doubt every day I think about how lucky I am to have the opportunity to do this job and be around the sport. But it's really the people that you get to to meet and make connections with and have lifelong friendships. It's, that's the best part. What a great conversation with Neil Beatty, the Chief Communications Officer for U.S. Soccer. Just a couple more questions because I know you, like me, are very busy and certainly excited to spend time with J.T. Batson and Cindy Parlo Cohn. We'll end with your comments on the new CEO. But before we do that, I want to have a little fun with you here and a little bit of pressure but minimal because I was the press officer and did the World Cup and Olympics and have been a broadcaster, I do the rotary circuit. And almost every time they'll ask me, like, who is my favorite player? And, you know, I got two boys as well. And you, sometimes you get the question, do you have a favorite son or whatever? It's a tough question, but I, I always answer it. And I tell them, Tony Miola on the men's side was my favorite player. 
for the reasons you and I are sitting here because he was a media darling. You know, Lexi was great as well, but Tony was just incredible from day one. And on the women's side, Michelle Akers, because I've never seen a woman play the game the way she played them. So I'll ask you the same question. Gave you enough time with that setup. <laughs> Did you? Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping. Who are who, Who's your favorite men's player? Who's your favorite women's player yeah, for whatever with, reasons? Women's player first, Megan Rapino. Okay. As I mentioned, I dealt with youth national teams when I first came in. The, and, and so I did the 2004 U19 women's qualifying tournament in Canada. Met Megan and many other, Becky Sauerbrunn and many other players. Ashton Harris was on that team. And always I was, like, really impressed with Megan. Like, like oh, she's funny, she's smart, great player, obviously. And people don't remember this, but she got injured and had some challenges, whatever, and then came back. And it's funny, when she blew up, like, in, I don't know, after 2015 or 2016, whatever that was, and kind of became known and, and has now become, obviously, a icon. household name, yeah. an icon, yeah. My buddy from Green Bay, of course, texted me, he goes, are you proud that you've been telling me for five years that Megan Rapino is an amazing person and you love her? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I am proud of yeah. it. I was way ahead of it. <laughs> I do need to know why you didn't use his voice when you did that. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you got to so, work on so, that part, Neil. <laughs> so Megan, Megan for sure, I think, just in all facets. I mean, I mean, just an amazing person and player and, and what she's done now is, is unreal. And so that's really, really cool to see, too, to, to see someone that, you know, you, you kind of knew in earlier days. On the men's side, I'd have to pick a youth player that kind of went through. Based on your career. Yeah, yeah just mm -hmm. someone that you, I, there's a couple guys that, like, I grew up in my career as they grew up in the yeah. sport in a way. Yeah, that's um, how Tony is with me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah very, so, so you just have, like, a connection with, I mean, also Benny Failhover. Okay. Is an interesting one. Like, Benny came into the U-20s when I was dealing with that team in 2005, and he had just, like, had walked on at UCLA. Ziggy brought him in because Ziggy was the national team coach for the 20s at that time. You know, right away, I was like, who is this kid? He doesn't shut up. Like, <laughs> he was talking. But then I was like, okay, we're going to put, uh, we did this, like, podcast thing back then. Like, wow. And we just re record him and Sasha Kleschen. Every couple days, we would just do, like, a recap of what was going on in camp. <laughs> They're so funny. Yeah. So, like, again, it goes to the point of, like, those type of relationships that you've made, and then you get to see those guys. And, like, Sasha now, I'm in Doha for the World Cup, and he's working for Fox, and I see, you know, it's like, I love that stuff. That one sticks in my head for some reason because I just got to know those guys really well. And I haven't probably talked to Betty in, like, a couple of years even, but those kind of uh, relationships for sure. A guy that had been more consistently with the team, Michael Brantley, Again, that I knew him when he was with, you know, 15, 16 and going through the ranks and it was at residency, always respected how he approached things. And I got to see him kind of become a man. It was it like become his dad, basically. Like, it was, yeah. I still remember a press conference. I was like not totally paying attention and I was in the back of the room and our uh, press officer for the for the Olympic team was running it. And I'm like, what? is Bob Bradley here? Oh, that's Michael. <laughs> How about and, that? Yeah, and, 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 you know, Michael got, I think, unfairly about his dad being the coach and, you know, all this nepotism stuff. But Michael always did it the right way. Yeah. Always approached the game the right way. You didn't know in these dynamics, you got, there's certain things that come up you have to deal with and you talk to the captain about it and you like, and he always was super respectful and understanding and had a thought process to it. 
you know, you appreciate that stuff. The guys that kind of get it. But there's so many, there's so many other players on the men's and women's side. Carly Lloyd, Tim Howard, Steve Shrunnel. I mean, there's so many guys that you get to. Carlos Bocanegra I, I, and I were pretty close, I think. Like so, again, it goes to like, ah, it's cool. You get to appreciate that that you get to create those relationships, and then you get to see them go into other aspects of the sport after their playing careers, and you get to see them at different times. And so, yeah, it's 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 a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, no doubt. Great answer, Neil. All your answers have been outstanding. This has been so much fun, and you know, you talk about relationships. There have not been that many secretary generals. We talked about the fact that I worked under Hank Steinbrecher. You worked under Dan Flynn. I think it was Dan, Will, and now JT, right? That's yeah, it, right? Yeah. Talk about uh, what you know about JT Batson, the new CEO. Yeah, well, first, if I can say something about Hank, who I didn't work under specifically. I, I came in when, when uh, Dan Flynn was there, but got to know Hank, got to spend time with him at different times, whether it's AGMs or other events. What an amazing guy. Mm-hmm. He was texting me during the World Cup this past world cup just like hey man no you're having tough times <laughs> like what i was like ah you know it's like so i mean i know you are even closer to him so i just really want to say that uh, you know i think about hank all the time and um was such a good guy dan huge mentor for me really showed me the ropes a guy that has an intensity to him but also like is incredibly calm in like when like we talked about before how we were going through things and they were challenging and he always was like okay yeah we'll just you know do like you know like you need that's a good sign of a leader like someone that's not losing their mind and, and just calm and figure out how we're gonna go through it definitely got to learn through him will was a guy that obviously wasn't with us for a long time but really i was able to kind of take us from a situation that was really challenging, right? I think we were in a lot of turmoil at that time because of the women's lawsuit and settle us down as well and and help us guide us forward with Cindy to get that resolved. So massive uh, situation. And then JT, who has been in the job maybe, I don't know, 90 days, 120 days, really smart guy, young guy, which I really like, and you know, younger than me, has a ton of energy, ideas, can bring a different perspective from the industries that he worked in in a lot of these startups has the ability i think to really narrow in on how to move forward on situations and not let a lot of the noise affect you and then get everyone rowing on the uh, in the same direction which i think we need we're we're a complex organization people don't realize that right it's not just our men's and women's senior teams we've got all our youth teams, we've got now nine extended national teams. We've got a coaching department, a referee department, high performance department. There's a lot going on. We brought our, our rights in house, as we mentioned before. So you get all this happening. How do you really kind of prioritize the top things, concentrate on those, focus in on them, and not ignore the other stuff? You still got to do certain things, but how do you really take big projects and move them forward. And that's always been a challenge for us, I think. And now we got the 2026 World Cup coming and it's coming fast. Everyone's probably a little bit behind, right? Because this is such a massive opportunity for us. How do you make sure that we're capitalizing on that? And so that's been a big focus. He knows the sport, he's been around it a lot. He was a guy that has grown up and and lived in the grassroots element. So he was a referee assessor, he was a referee. He worked at his local club, he cut the lawn there he did everyone walking around here he's been one of these people he's a volunteer he's done a lot of that so i think he can connect with with our membership 
unlike maybe past CEOs, nothing against those that were there before. He just brings a different kind of perspective and he understands that to get big things done, we're gonna have to work closely with our membership, which is, which is challenging too. We have 100 plus members and they don't all think the same and they have all their own priorities. And so bringing them all together again to row in the same direction, I think he's got ability to do that in a different way. So it was exciting to see him in early days and, and more to come. Great answers and because of all those great answers, knowing all you've gone through, I'm gonna end with kind of a fun question and we'll see where you go. When you get the rare opportunity to just get away from U.S. soccer, it might be the Green Bay Packers, I don't know. What is your go-to venue? Where do you head, Neil? You know, it's a, it's a good question. I hadn't figured that out for a while. My buddy Richard, who, who I've been kind of talking about, didn't say his name, from Green Bay, who I grew up with. I've known him since I was five years old. My best friend, I got like four guys that we all knew each other since five years old, which I appreciate. I just bought a place in Door County with him, which is north of Green Bay kind of the thumb of Wisconsin is this small community with these little towns and we bought this place nestled in the woods and that's my now all right getaway I've only been there twice <laughs> we just we just did this um, a few months ago but for sure like I just like everything's so chaotic I live in Chicago I live down you know downtown you walk out of your place loud it's everything going <laughs> yeah. on you know it's just like so that is like my escape to just go up there be quiet still do work if I need to do work that is definitely hopefully the the place that I I, I venture to because it's close enough as well and I can escape when I need to so the job gets you know it gets hectic and it, it gets busy and sometimes you, you need to kind of step away uh, so that's the spot that is cool and you are cool this has really been fun Neil Beathy I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and don't believe everything they say about me okay <laughs> always, good, always good things always great stories from Aaron Aaron Heifetz uh, or anyone else uh, I hired him by the way uh, that's amazing I made that's sure amazing. he got hired and he has forgotten that like so fast <laughs> that it's almost upsetting by the way but uh... <laughs> I will say Aaron Aaron the way I always introduce Aaron is this man knows more about women's soccer than anyone in the world I'm that's probably pretty accurate. close yeah, it's yeah pretty accurate yeah so, again lucky to work with a guy like that um so I'll remind him though that the only reason he's there is because of you <laughs> it, it, it won't matter it won't matter you know I mean you guys are big wigs at U.S. soccer you know <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing of remembering the people that no they not him but anyway I still love the man and uh Neil this has been great and look forward to seeing you as well with the interview we're going to do with Cindy and JT thanks for uh trusting me to do this obviously we'll have a good time and uh man this was fun yeah, thank you great. so much thank you for having me neil yeah neil beathy cool dude chief communications officer for u.s soccer we're back with more of the united soccer coaches podcast presented by league apps performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program the united soccer coaches performance analysis level one special topics diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. Evergreen material here as we're on Podcast Row 
at the 2023 convention in Philadelphia, meeting all kinds of great people, a lot of innovative people. In fact, the innovations in soccer right now is off the charts. It's no different with my next guest as we are meeting the CEO of Sogility. That is spelled S-O-G-I-L-I-T-Y, and his name is Jimmy Carson. Jimmy Carson, CEO, Sagility. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. All right, I'm going to read a couple sentences about Sagility, and then we're going to get rolling, okay? Sounds good. It says, Sagility's mission is to increase soccer players' skills, confidence, and physical development with personalized training through the use of technology and individualized data monitoring. Offering different kinds of training allows our athletes to see growth in their skills and confidence. And then it breaks down our trainings, technical soccer zones, circuit training, athlete development, skills classes, tech touch, neural training, a lot of neat stuff. I can already tell, Jimmy, based on what I'm reading and just looking at you, I'm going to bring the IQ level way down, so I apologize for that. You'll keep it up here because I can tell you're a smart guy. But break down. What is uh, the mission with Sogility? Break it down. Yeah, Sogility started in 2018 in Westfield, Indiana. Uh, we started in a small 7,000 square foot area. We were offering just kind of the tech touch part, uh, partnering with Toka to do some ball delivery system type stuff. And over the last few years, we've slowly added facets of training. Our goal is really just to search the planet for the most innovative things that are out there, ways to continuously uh, improve players and engage them. So uh, really the engagement piece. So our partners with ESA, Elite Skills Arena out of the UK, uh, provide a lot of equipment that uh, kids really get into. So there's leaderboards built into it, um, LED lights light up in different patterns. So the brain's being made to think the game of soccer. So they have to find the right light, hit that, move to the next one. So not only is there the skill development piece, but there's also something going on in the brain, hopefully getting players to think, which this day and age, that's probably the most important part, is getting players really to think the game, uh, to solve problems just on the fly. That's been something that we've added into the facility, and then we kept growing in different facets to the point where we have six offerings, uh, which helps keep the training fresh so players don't get bored and doing the same old, same old thing. Um, they can book a 30-minute session, come in and pick any of the facets, work out, get about 300, 500 touches, and head home. All right. When I get my steak, I like to cut right into it. And I use that analogy because I think when people come on, they're running a business. And when you're running a business, you want clients. So let's get right to that. And then we are going to break down the trainings. Who is your client? Who are you looking for as your clients? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. We've actually just recently partnered with Little Kickers and a couple other options. So now we're training two-year-olds, uh, four-year-olds, all the way through the professional players. So uh, a lot of the players that live in the Indianapolis area, we've had Jonathan Gomez, come in, Annika Schmidt, Aliyah Martin, AJ Cochran, Tyler Pasher. So a lot of those, those players, names. yeah, it's been amazing because uh, we just added a five-a-side pitch to the facility. So we're playing uh, five uh, pickup games. So all the pros come in. Uh, I think I've played four or five games in the last two weeks. And uh, at my age, that's not great, but uh, they're very encouraging. So, um, but to provide them with an opportunity to train, get ready for the season, uh, feel like they're in, in top shape going into it. Uh, but again, that confidence piece comes up. So when you're getting 300, 500 touches, you can't help but be confident on the ball. Uh, so you feel a lot better. And that's kind of the main thing uh, that we do with our athletes. I, I think our, our largest member base right now is 14 to 16 year olds. Um, but we have a lot of eight through 12 year olds that come in. Uh, so we have about 270 plus members right now. 
uh, that come in and, and train as often as they like. Uh, we offer different levels of membership so that way maybe you're uh, a recreational base player or, or a player with you know less experience, you want to just come in once a week and get some work, um, or you're a more serious player, you want to come in 20 times a month and, and really get after it. Wisdom and passion of Jimmy Carson, the CEO of Sogility. You can check it out at Sogility.net. I'm going to spell it for you again, S-O-G-I-L-I-T-Y. Before we get into those six kind of trainings, I turn over your impressive brochure and I say uh, something that says open a Sogility near you where you can have world-class community, convenience, and affordable. So basically, you can do what you're doing in Indiana all over the country. Is that the goal? Yeah, that's why we're here. Um, really, we've, we've had a lot of people reach out to us over the last uh, couple years. Um, you know, we're a fairly new company, but people have been able to see on our social media. Um, Sam Wade, my um, communications and marketing director, does a fantastic job and has really taken things and elevated it for us. Um, so we get a lot of people reaching out and they're like, we love what you're doing. Can my kid come in and try it out? Can we get to that? Um, you know, that in our area where we're at. Um, so it got us thinking that, you know, it's probably time for us to start launching uh, Sogilities across the country. So we're in conversations with Northern Virginia, St. Louis, uh, Michigan. Uh, we have a new partnership with FC Gold Star, which is a new club out of Michigan. Uh, they're interested in maybe putting a Sogility in their stadium so the players can benefit from it. Um, so we're, we're kind of just looking for that next best place. So uh, we know that there's a lot of passionate soccer coaches here, uh, a lot of great business people. I've uh, made wonderful connections in the exhibit hall. Um, that's another part of why we're here. We, we love to partner with other companies and find ways to help promote the beautiful game. I think that's what's amazing about coming here, right, is everybody's really working towards one common goal, which is growing the love of the game. Uh, so for us to be able to connect with some of these other people, uh, provide maybe some other opportunities for our players. Um, again, we're always trying to stay hungry and figure out what's that next big thing that we should be offering to the players. Really cool. Jimmy Carson, the CEO for Sagility.net. We mentioned there are six kinds of trainings. Let's go rapid fire and give yeah. me a little bullet point on each one. Let's start with the technical soccer zone. Yeah, technical soccer zone is the elite skills arena equipment. So we have the icons. Uh, we have about six of them set up. Uh, various sizes, two meters up to six meters, a couple different shapes. We have uh, actually a cube, which is a square. It's the uh, only one in North America, which is pretty cool. Uh, we have uh, a lot of opportunities for players to get in a game, think the game, find those lights, knock the ball around, um, really developing 360 awareness. So becoming a player that can think and move and be dynamic. Athlete development. Athlete development is really just finding ways to help athletes feel more comfortable in their own skin. So can they move fluidly? Can we reduce injuries? Um, can we do some core strength training? Because most of our athletes are younger sided. So we're really looking at ways to help them just feel stronger. Um, and then growing into some more strength training as they get a little older. Tech touch. Tech touch, uh, that's really working on that first touch. So we have various ball delivery systems, balls shoot in at the players. We make them do things, um, you know, skill-based and then find an, an open goal. Circuit training. Circuit training is again that ESA equipment. So it's like a soccer obstacle course, as I tell people. Um, they're gonna go into a session there, maybe one to four kids at a time. They're gonna dribble through uh, the, L the LED lights light up. You gotta dribble through, play off a rebounder, uh, make a pass through a gate. So a lot of uh, engaging pieces. Skills classes. Skills classes, more of your corver based training. So uh, a lot of kids still wanna work on their attacking 1v1 skills and get after it. So uh, they'll go into a, a skills class of one to eight kids. Uh, really focusing on that individual skill. 
neural training? Neural training is something that's pretty new out in the world, but uh, we're trying to get the brain to process information as fast as it can, a lot of hand-eye coordination. The goalkeepers seem to love it. Um, and we've partnered with Seattle Sounders and a couple other clubs that are looking to add this to some of uh, what they have at their uh, academies as well. Jimmy Carson, the CEO for Sigility. You can find them at Sigility.net. Their phone number is 317-399-7914. That's 317-399-7914. You can email them for information at info at Sogility.net. Last question here. I don't know about you, but my life has been about relationships. I like to know who I'm working with. Give me the elevator speech on Jimmy Carson, where you grew up, where you went to college. What's your story? Yeah, I'm, I'm from Indiana. I played at University of Indianapolis. I uh, have always pretty much been an indie uh, kid myself. Um, but uh, I grew up, uh, I was born into the game, basically. My grandfather moved to this country in 1967, helped found some of the first leagues in Indiana. Um, started the Indiana Soccer Hall of Fame, did a lot of things before his passing, but uh, was president of men's soccer. So I don't know any better. Like, I, I, I love the game. I, that's what I do. Uh, I got into education, was in education for 16 years, running elementary schools. So I have a real passion for the younger players and helping them grow and, and do that. And I've been coaching for 24 years. I've coached at every level from high school, youth, run a couple clubs locally, uh, coached in the U.S. Development Academy, uh, MLS Academy, and then uh, also in the ECNL. Incredible. Uh, as you might may or may not know, I've been the longtime voice for Big Ten Network Soccer. Mm -hmm. So for me, Indiana, the godfather, the Indiana Hoosiers, everything about Indiana means a lot to me, particularly somebody that grew up in Ohio as well. So I'm glad you added that in there. I hope you enjoyed your time on the United Soccer Coaches podcast and your time at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. For sure. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Great. Jimmy Carson, the CEO for Sigility. One more time, check him out at Sigility.net. We'll have more of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps after these messages. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. It's time to hit the training ground, and we hit it with one of our favorite contributors talking about Teresa Tree Beckman, a True North sports team specialist, to be fair, a team culture specialist. And she just submitted another article for March called Getting a Grasp on the Gray Area, Understanding Team Culture. And you begin right off the bat, Tree, by saying team culture is a tricky and complex concept and one you hear a lot about in society today. Boy, isn't that the truth, Tree? Man, it's just a buzzword. It's tricky. You don't, you just hear it all the time. And it's one of those things that we don't often take a lot of time to come up with a, a definition that is actionable. And it's it, there's a fine line. You can't oversimplify a complex topic like trust or conflict or you know those things. You can't oversimplify them, but still... What I did is I tried to build something that would allow coaches to get a grasp on it so they can actually work with it. Yeah, you actually are talking about a tool, a tool that allows for creativity and autonomy while still providing enough of a structure or framework for coaches to be able to utilize 
as a guidance tool, and that's somewhat difficult. Why is a tool like this necessary? And what's the tool tree? Lay it out for us. Yeah, you know, coaching is a creative process. And I don't know that I had like the full grasp on that until these last uh, few years, especially as I dove into writing, you know, the workbook that lays this model out. The, the model, a mental model is really helpful when you're trying to be creative because it gives you some parameters for something that otherwise is just really wide open and gray. Why don't we all attack culture when we know that if you have a great culture, it really is very beneficial. Why don't more people work on it intentionally? Well, because it's a gray area, it's human behavior, right? And so what I did is my late brother was an electrician. He was really interested in culture and leadership, stuff like that. So we kind of came up with this, this model and it's a plug. It's, a, it's an electrical plug just to hold the concepts that are in your team culture. Because look, I remember when I first started coaching, like in college, it was right around the time for whatever reason, everybody just decided they were going to do John Wooden's pyramid of success. Cool. That doesn't work though, because like not everybody is John Wooden. Like your culture has to be authentically your culture. I can't go in as a team culture consultant and say, this is what you should do. Because if you don't value it as a coach, it doesn't matter. So that's what I did is I tried to build this framework. So the things that are in this plug all exist in your culture for good or bad. You're right. Picture the plug. And we all are looking for one every day when we try to plug our phone in at night, no matter where we are all over the country. So because you've done that tree, it brings a smile to my face because I'm always looking for that darn plug, right? For my, my phone and the plug, the motto you use is incredible because it, the, the cord says habits as that loops around the box says feedback loop. And off of that, there are three prongs as there often are on a cord. One says connections, one says behaviors. And you basically start your article by saying plug into and synergize your team's energy. Yeah, don't you wish you could just plug your team in and like <laughs> fire it up? Then yes. It would be great if it were that easy. And I think you can, like all the people that are on your team, that's the electricity that's going to power your team. But I'll tell you, culture can magnify it for bad or for good. What I did with this model is try to give you a way to be able to account for each of the components that are going to affect your team culture so that you, you can influence them to be better because coaches all the time, I'll, I'll work with coaches sometimes. They'll be like, I don't, I don't, I don't do that team culture stuff. Well, that's cool. You don't have to do it, but whether you do it or not, you're going to have a culture. It exists whether you decide to pay attention. So you do you boo-boo, but I want to win. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, it, so what it is, is it's, it's the, those three prongs. It starts with the hot prong. So right now I'm in Michigan and there's storms like crazy. A lot of people are without power. Well, if that hot prong isn't getting juice from the plug, the rest of the, the plug, it's still there and it's still functional, but it's not going to work. You got to fire up the hot prong. And the hot prong for your team is the connection between the people. Literally, how do they connect? Is there a, is there a high level of trust? Do they manage the conflict well? Do they have a higher, higher level of emotional intelligence? And is it a psychologically safe place so that people can take risks and you can, you can drive them to greatness, right? So that's the hot prong. It's, it's how, you, how do your people connect? The neutral prong is, is connection of those people to the vision for the team. Because like you've probably been on teams or around teams that, boy, they got along great, but they weren't very connected to the vision. And that's a great sewing circle right? But I want to win. So you got to have both. They have to be connected to what we're all trying to do. And if you can create your culture where those connections drive what is the grounding prong of your behaviors to a higher standard, boy, that's a heck of a lot easier than coming in and saying, I'm going to through power over and force 
get you to do what I want you to do. That's a very low level of leadership and it's very short term and it's short sighted. And it's the biggest thing, you know, coaches are struggling right now because there's a power shift, but that's not a bad thing in, in professional athletics. There's always been, the players have always had more power, right? Really good coaches know that you're not using power over to drive your teams. You're using power with you're collaborating, but that power shift is happening very quick at the NCAA and high school levels. So that can be hard sometimes, but that grounding prong is how you do what you do. I think a lot of coaches start there. I'm just suggesting, boy, if you can drive those behaviors higher through your connections, that's a heck of a lot better. And then the feedback loop is the thing that holds it all together. And in coaching, so often, I think the difference between good and great coaches or bad and good coaches is the the nature and the tone and the timing of how they give feedback, right? But that's only one half of the loop. And in athletics, that's, that's the only direction. Usually it's going coach to player feedback. And isn't it funny that as coaches, a big primary part of our job is to give feedback and we are not always very good at taking feedback. And if you can create a culture where your players can, can give you authentic and true feedback, you're just going to be a better coach and you're going to have a better culture. And that's a, that's a really tricky thing to do because boy, are we good at, at, at telling them what we want them to say, and they're really good at, at giving us what we want to say. So, and then all of that is the core just takes the energy from that spot to the team. And that's your habits. We have habits. We are, our brains are absolutely set up to automate processes like in our lives to like brushing our teeth, driving a car, everything that we do, we want to make it, you know, automatic. That's how our brains are wired. Well, same thing with your team's culture, right? For good or bad, there's going to be habits that form. You just got to pay attention and try to make better habits and make them be more connected and um, driven by your team's identity. That's a heck of a lot more powerful way to create habits. Incredible breakdown. Again, the name of the article is called Getting a Grasp on the Gray Area, Understanding Team Culture. Really, Tree, I think it should say, I've got the tool for you because that's exactly what you do as you broke down this energy power. And again, you said it, there are five main components that make up the plug, the hot prong connection between the people, which you covered, the neutral prong connection between the people and the PMV, the purpose, mission, and vision. I like that. The grounding prong, the standards of behavior, the encasement holding it together, that's the feedback loop, and then the cord with the habits. So you've given the tool here, you've broken down the different prongs, you've broken down the cord, you've broken down the encasement. And as part of that, there's a feedback loop in there before we get to the habits. Explain the feedback loop. Well, I think honestly, the feedback loop is where coaches get fired. You know, I really do. I just really do. I think that we're not great at receiving feedback. I think all of us uh, as human beings, I think that's a hard thing to do. And I think that we've, we don't often spend enough time teaching our student athletes to be good at giving feedback. It's also tricky because a lot of coaches have a hard time with this because there, again, there's that power shift, that power dynamic is in there. We want to get rid of power over leadership and, and, and kind of come from a power with, and I'll tell you what, that's always been true. It's this, this generation, they're not standing for it anymore. It's always been true that a higher level of leadership is more power with that's, that's been true. John Wooden was a power with leader. He was, but the difference now is that Gen Z, they're not, they just, they're not even going to take power over for very long. You're just going to get fired. And so the other thing is this, a lot of coaches struggle with like, they feel like 
if I'm listening to my players, I have to do what they're saying. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you're building consensus. I'm saying you're getting feedback from your players so that you have more information to make better decisions for what's best for the team. And so the feedback loop is literally just about the growth of your whole team. Celebrating the diversity of thought is the is, is what feedback loop is all about so that you grow faster as a team and then teaching your players how to do that. And then understanding your own shame triggers and your own story so that you know why you're popping off when this player, why you're getting defensive. If this player is bringing you this piece of feedback or whatever, you're just going to be a better coach, but it's really hard to do. So I do think that this is where most coaches actually get fired. You also say, after all, the more automated culture becomes, the more synergistical potential there will be. And you actually quote the author James Clear in this one in a book. First of all, what's the title of that book? And then I'll let you read the quote that you pulled out for this special article. The book is Atomic Habits. It's one of, I've read a lot of books that have it. That's the best one. And he's talking about identity-based habits. So it really does, it, it kind of flows well with this model because I'm talking about purpose, mission, and vision in that neutral prong. If you can, and he says it this way, it's so perfect. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. And so if you can get your team to think about what they're doing as a team, every single action they take being a vote for the type of team they want to be. I got a lot of teams that tell me in my meetings with them, Hey, we want to win a championship. Cool. How are your actions backing that up? Because every action you take is a vote for the type of team you're going to be. I love that book. It's a great book. It just flows perfectly for this model. Well, and this article flows perfectly as well. And you end by saying, quote, all in all, there's no one right way to build a culture. And I for sure cannot tell you how yours should look. What I've tried to do is find a way to label and provide language and some structure for parts that exist in every team's culture so you can evaluate and address your culture more intentionally. Put an exclamation point on that and re remind us where people can find that in your workbook or wherever they can find it. Yeah, so I, I wrote a workbook on this. It's managing your culture. Um, it's the first version of this model. We're in the midst of, you know, of updating the workbook, but there's no new components in it. I just relabel. I like I reordered them because I I realized after I got it, you know, I'm working on it with teams and whatnot. It needed some some adjustment. I'm always going to rethink everything that I'm doing, and I hope that coaches do too. And I think that's why the model is so good. I think that. If you're constantly saying, well, that's what we did last year. That's how we do it here. Boy, that is about the worst possible answer. This gives you a framework so you can be free to be creative and paint the picture. Coaching is a creative endeavor. So I want you to think about your season like a big blank canvas. And you are the artist that's going to paint it. This is just some sort of a framework that helps you do it in a way that's going to account for not just the stuff on the field, but the stuff that that's really going to potentially get in the way of your on the field training. So I, I think if you're, if you're doing culture, right, it's never done. And this is just my, I guess my creation to help coaches do it in a, in a kind of a more systemized way. Yeah, it's really cool. And then with the pictures in the article, people will truly get it with the power cord. The name of the article again is called getting a grasp on the gray area, understanding team culture. More importantly, there's an actual tool 
that tree breaks down. So make sure you check it out. Finally, Tree, if people want to reach out to you to seek your advice and your help on culture, what's the best way to do that? Oh, email's my favorite. I know it's 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 like some people don't even use email, but tree at truenorthsports.net is the easiest way to get me. Tree at truenorthsports.net. Another great contribution to the training ground. Tree, always a pleasure. Thanks for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. And I hope I can say I'll see you in a month or two, Tree, right back here. Absolutely, Dean. Thanks for having me. Tree is always great, and it's always nice to meet another member of our 30 Under 30 class. We end the show doing that after this message. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps, my favorite part of the show. We meet another outstanding member of our 30 under 30 class. It's no different now as we welcome in Lauren Azaro. She is the technical director and also a head coach for Alliance Athletics out of Long Island, New York, a former player at Adelphi University in Garden City, New York. We'll get into that and so much more, but first let me say hello and welcome to Lauren. Lauren, welcome. Hi, Dean. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, we talked uh, before we came on the air. We missed each other, sort of. I mean, we were close to each other in that we were at the banquet and we were at the convention, but we didn't get to connect there. How about your experience at the convention, including that Friday night? How awesome was that for you? That was great. I got to meet so many people, including the 30 under 30 members, but just getting to hear from people all over the country within different levels of the game, it was super insightful and it was just such a great experience. Congratulations on being a member of this class. When you got the word that you were in, can you put into words how it made you feel? Oh, I was, well, mostly shocked, but super excited. Um, I was actually going into a session I was about to start and I got like a notification on my phone and I was almost not going to check it because I was like, oh, you know, I'm about to start, but I couldn't help myself. I read that I got in. And then I had to wait a whole hour and a half until I could tell my parents and my mentor and my husband. And it was crazy, but it was so exciting. That's awesome. As we're here with Lauren Azaro, another great member of our 30 under 30 class. As I already said, she's now the technical director and a head coach with Alliance Athletics. But I want the whole story, Lauren. So tell us where you grew up, who you played youth soccer with, where you went to high school, when you're at Adelphi, well, I mean, I guess you don't have to do when because, you know, we're not supposed to ask a woman what their age is, but uh, give us the different steps to Alliance Athletics. Don't leave anything out, okay? All right. So I'm actually from Plainview, New York. Um, it's a small town on Long Island, and I began my own soccer journey there at age four um, within Plainview Soccer Club. And I had the most amazing parent coach, Ron Lignato, um, who just made soccer so fun and sparked my love for the game. After all these years, we still keep in touch from time to time because I played with his daughter growing up. And later on in my club journey, around 13, I joined East Meadow Soccer Club and I loved the environment and the people there as well. Uh, later on for high school, I played at Plainview JFK High School all four years on the varsity squad under Coach Horowitz and Coach Rivetto. And then, yeah, I went on to play at Adelphi University under Brooke DeRosa. I think it was definitely um, impactful for me to have female coaches at high levels of the game 
that um, contributed probably to my confidence to be able to know that I can do that as well, which uh, kind of led me into how I got to where I am as a head coach and technical director for Alliance. All right, perfect. Well, a couple follow-ups. What position did you play at Adelphi? So I was a forward. Okay, you were a forward. Awesome. All right. Yeah. And love that. And then when you did graduate, what was your degree in? And were there any steps before you joined Alliance Athletics in your current role? So it's actually funny because I had almost no idea what I wanted to do when I got to college. Um, I originally thought maybe I wanted to be a phys ed teacher because I could be around kids and the sports. Um, so I thought that would be a good avenue for me, but it didn't really feel like a great fit. Um, so then I thought maybe I would do business, which ultimately is what I stuck with. But again, I didn't really feel like I had, you know, that much purpose within business. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it. So I um, was working at a gym at the time when I was 19. This was when I first started college. I met my now <laughs> partner, Mike Franker, who was such a ginormous help to me and mentor throughout my coaching career. And he gave me my first coaching opportunity like five years ago. And, you know, he asked me, he's like, have you ever coached? And I said, no. He's like, well, do you want to? And I said, why not? You know, I think it would be fun. And here we are five years later and I've had, you know, my C license, I've taken a DOC course. Um, and it's just been such a journey and I can't thank him enough for everything that he's done for me. It's been amazing. Okay, I know you just mentioned your husband, but the man you're talking about is your business partner, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah you got that right. <laughs> All right, well, tell me about your husband. Where'd you meet him? So I actually met him at the gym also when I uh, was working there. <laughs> Funny story, right? He owns the uh, juice bars inside of the gyms. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. A couple of years later, started talking and uh, here we are now. So just got married like six months ago. Well, he's going to be mad if he doesn't hear his name, Lauren. So you better tell us his name. Shout out to Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm assuming he's Dan Azaro, is, or did you keep your maiden name? I, I kept my maiden name. Yeah. Okay. So, so Dan only gets a first name on this show? Dan, is that how Daniel Ott. Daniel Ott. <laughs> yeah. All right, Lauren. I, I had to keep this. my name, you know? Coach Azaro. That's who I am. Coach Azaro. Yeah, absolutely. What is the best part about coaching? What, what do you enjoy the most, Lauren? Honestly, the development from the kids, which is why I've always said, I'm not sure if I would ever leave the youth level. I just think being able to, you know, get a kid at six, seven, just fall in love with the game and then be able to watch them grow. You know, it's just, there's nothing like it. You're molding like people and players, not just the performance on the field. That's so important. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, I read some of your answers on your application. And by the way, well done, Lauren, really professional and awesome. And when you attacked the question about what's the most important challenge you are facing, you drove right in to parents. And it wasn't like you were saying parents yelling and screaming, but more about parents' willingness to change and adapt regarding player movement. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, of course. So I think parent education is just as important as coaches education because we are taking care of their kids and we are developing their kids, as I've said. Um, and I think it's important that they understand why we're doing the things that we're doing. So maybe why we've developed a curriculum this, this way or why we're moving up a player who seems to be not fitting in their current environment, why we might move them up. Um, you know, just how you tackle certain situations, the language we use in sessions, the language we use on the field, 
um, getting them on the same page just kind of cuts out any negative reasons for that movement and stuff like that because they understand now. So we try to educate parents just as much as our trainers and coaches because we think that's just as important for player development. And how do you feel that's going? Do you feel like you're making progress attacking that challenge? Yeah, I think we have seen a change, especially over the course of the years that um, I've been within the program, because I can compare it to when I played there. So, I mean, I've seen drastic change. I mean, and that's only been 15 years ago. So, I mean, we've completely revamped the intramural program. So that starts at U5. And now we're starting to see those results as these kids enter the um, travel team ages, which is awesome. Your answer to the question, if you're accepted, how would you use this opportunity to impact your soccer community? I'm going to read your quote because I think it's awesome. I believe the best way to continue to improve is pushing boundaries and exiting comfort zones. I want to make my voice as powerful, knowledgeable, and influential as it can be. I love that. That's genuine. That's authentic. And it sounds like that's who you are. Is that right, Lauren? A hundred percent. I never want to stop learning and I'm constantly doing things that make me even a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not a shy person by any means, but getting up in a crowd of people and, you know, tackling these new parts of my job that I have as technical director, it's definitely something that's new to me. And um, sometimes even a little uncomfortable because it's not what you're used to, but Mike has always you know, told me whatever's making you uncomfortable is making you better. And I truly believe that because I've seen personal growth within myself so much. Uh, I mean, just crazy. I'm totally not the same person I was five years ago before I started coaching. Just an awesome answer as we're visiting with 30 under 30 member Lauren Azaro, who's the technical director and head coach at Alliance Athletics, the former star forward for Adelphi University. Your greatest memory as a player that can be at any level, youth, high school, college, and your greatest memory as a coach, Lauren, putting you on the spot for both. <laughs> All right. So many memories, but I think I would have to say high school was such a fun time for me. One of my best memories was my very first game. I was a freshman on varsity, and we had just gotten a beautiful brand new turf field, uh, sound system, new scoreboard, everything. And like so much of the school came to watch our game. And my coach, I guess, decided to start me, which I was completely not expecting because we had such a large upperclassmen team and I ended up scoring two goals that game. So it was a giant confidence boost for me and just kind of set the tone for my future throughout my four years there. And I'll just like never forget that game because it was just so impactful to me. It was crazy. Now your greatest memory as a coach, Lauren. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. So I have a youth girls team. Um, they hadn't been having a great season. This was actually last season, but they're the hardest working group of girls and they have such a great attitude. And it was actually their last game of the season. And we were down three, nothing at halftime. And I took them off the bench. We went over to the middle of the field, sat them down. And um, I just really tried to pull something out of them, you know, make them get back up and want to fight. And, you know, I was like, this is going to be our last group effort as a team because they were actually disbanding after this. So it was like, let's go out, you know, fighting and swinging and let's make a mark here. Let's really say something. And um, it was one of the best second halves that I've ever seen them play. And we ended up winning the game 4-3. I was a crazy person up and down the sideline, Dean. It was just insane. It was crazy. Girls were crying after. It was 
just such a memorable day. It was awesome. I feel it. I feel it coming through this podcast interview. That's awesome, Lauren. If you've listened to any of my interviews with the 30 under 30 members, I call it my crystal ball question. And that is where you might see yourself in 15 years. How much thought have you put into that, if any at all? To be honest with you, not a whole lot, but I know that I'll definitely still be coaching and involved in the game. I really couldn't picture myself doing anything else, to be honest. This job fits me better than I think anything else that I could possibly do. And I just love it so much. I always tell people I have the best job in the world. So I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. Well, you seem to have a quick wit and you're very conversational. So I'm going to end with five rapid fire questions that'll make you have to think a little bit. The Uh first one I like asking is because I feel like when you're on a team, there's always like one or two players that truly make a difference. If you could think about your time as a player, again, at any level, who is one or two people that come to mind as one of the best teammates you've ever had? I have one from high school and I have one from college. So going back to high school, I had a teammate, uh, Jennifer Wallach, and she was not only just amazing on the field, but she was just such a caring person, no matter who it was on the team. You know, if you were a freshman, if you were sophomore, senior, no matter how many minutes you got, I mean, she was just always there for you, such a positive energy. And she just made a lasting impact on me and made me want to be a better leader as well. And then in college, I'm actually still very close with her. Um, Michelle Winicky, um, she again, just a powerhouse midfielder. I've never seen anyone t- tougher than this girl. She's amazing. Um, she actually works with us from time to time. I bring her in. She's a great coach. Um, and, you know, we just, we have fun. She's amazing, a role model for young girls. And I love to have her around. Those are two people that really stood out to me. Sticking with players, who is your favorite player either either present day or in the past from the USA women's national team? I definitely love Trinity Rodman as a upcoming player. I think she's made such a mark on the game at such a young age. And again, she's just a force. So that's awesome. And I mean, as a past player, you got to look at Mia Hamm. I mean, when I was a kid, that girl was my role model. She could do no wrong. She was just, I loved watching her. I was um, like mesmerized every time she played. Um, still some, to this day, I think she's a legend. So Two great answers with two questions remaining. One thing about Lauren Azaro away from the soccer field that not too many people know, something you enjoy doing, something that has been a part of your life forever. One thing about Lauren that we need to know that maybe people don't know. I am secretly a chef. (laughs) All right. I grew up living with my grandma for a very large amount of my life and she is very Italian. So that's how you know I'm good. And she (laughs) taught me all of her recipes and everything that she knows. And um, yeah, so I cook for all my friends and family all the time and I love it. It's definitely something I do a lot of. Your go-to meal is? Oh, grandma's sauce. The recipe I can't share with you, though. That's a secret. Uh, That's fair. (laughs) I totally respect that. And finally, since you're on the United Soccer Coaches podcast, you're a member of the 30 Under 30 class. You clearly care about coaching education. You clearly want to be a coach. I think for the rest of your life, when you hear those three words, United Soccer Coaches, what do they mean to Lauren Azaro? I would say community is the biggest thing. Because the program is what it is because of the people that make make it up. So, I mean, like I said, going back to just the diverse people that I've met, like from all over the country, 
and everyone's at a different level or a different stage in learning and development, but you get to learn from these people no matter what stage of the game that you're in. I've picked up things from people who coach at a lesser level than me. I've picked up things from people who are college coaches. So I think it doesn't really matter who you are or where you coach. I think once you get all of us in a room together, it's just, it's a wealth of information and just opportunity. And it's amazing. Lauren Azaro, pretty amazing as well. She is the technical director and a head coach with Alliance Athletics. And she's a member of our 30 under 30 class. She was in Philadelphia amongst us all. And so glad that she gets to step out and be featured on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Lauren, great to get to know you. Congrats on all your success. Keep it going, okay? Thanks so much, Dean. Thank you, Lauren. And thank you to all of the amazing guests on another jam-packed show. I also want to thank Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, Erica Dyer, Lee Gerald, Jeff Van Dusen, Angie Eliasson, Steve Veal, Pat Madden, all the great people doing great things at United Soccer Coaches. David Simeon, who continues to produce content with the training ground. That's where Tree stepped in. Everybody there is awesome. I also want to thank my producer, Colin Thrash, for each and every one of them. And all of you, we'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.